0: Welcome to the sermon webcast of Good News Lutheran Church of Mount Horeb, Wisconsin. The following sermon was preached on Sunday, June 24th, 2018, on the basis of Isaiah 52, verses 7 through 10. By my count, there are somewhere between 30 and 40 people in the room today who are members of Generation Z. For those of you not aware... Generation Z makes up the very youngest members of our society. It's people who were born anywhere from the late 1990s all the way up until the present day. And not only are there a lot of them in the room this morning, but this past week we spent more than 10 hours with about 60 members of Generation Z as part of our soccer camp. And I got to tell you, that much time, with that many members of Generation Z, It's exhausting, as you might imagine. But as you maybe also know, it's also invigorating. You hang around with enough young people long enough, and it's kind of invigorating. You look at these people and you realize that they are so full of life and so full of energy. They have their entire lives out in front of them, and the possibilities for their future are virtually endless. And so you spend time around them, and it's just pure, unbridled optimism and enthusiasm. But as it turns out, they might not entirely agree. As some of the initial research is coming in about Generation Z, people are finding that compared to the generation that came before them, those millennials that you've heard so much about, members of Generation Z are much less optimistic about their future. And it's maybe not too difficult to understand why. This is a generation that will grow up entirely in a post-9-11 world. They've never known a day in their lives when America has not been at war. This is the generation that goes to school and receives training on what to do during active shooter situations. This is a generation that has always known a world full of iPhones and social media, but because they have, they are much much more skeptical about the dangers of those technologies than the people who remember the day when those things didn't exist. It's maybe no wonder that The favorite genre of literature and film for Generation Z is what's known as dystopian future. So books and movies that paint a picture of the future that is bleak, to say the least. Stories about tyrannical governments oppressing average citizens. In fact, Generation Z has also been dubbed Generation Katniss as in Katniss Everdeen, the main character in one of those dystopian future series called The Hunger Games. So all of this sort of led me to wonder whether all of this time that we spent this past week was really just a big waste. See, this week the theme of our soccer camp was Our God is Strong to Save. And when you hear that phrase, you look at that phrase, it sounds nice, right? I mean, we're saying, first of all, that God is real, that that he actually exists. More than that, we're saying that our God, the one that we know, the one that we worship, he's strong. He's able to guide and direct the course of human events, including the events of our own life. And, And then even more than that, we're saying that our God is strong to save. So not just that he can help us, but that he will help us, that he will use his power and his might to protect us, to keep us safe, to rescue us from harm and evil. And so yes, it sounds nice, and and I can tell you we had no problem convincing the kids to say that phrase over and over and over again this week, even at times shouting it at the top of their lungs. But there's a part of me that wonders, will it hold up? When they're not 6 or 10 or 12, will it hold up? When they're going through all kinds of teenage angst over finding a date to the dance or getting good enough grades to get into college, will it hold up? Will it hold up when they head out into the real world and they find that the adults who are really in charge, who are really running everything, are deeply divided about just about every issue imaginable? Will it hold up? when they are sitting when the, where the rest of us are sitting, far removed from those carefree days of youth and perhaps a bit worn down by the worries and frustrations of life. Will it hold up or is it just sort of pie in the sky, head in the clouds, too good to be true, but, but far removed from any actual reality? I suppose the question is, what sort of future should we picture for ourselves and for our children? And as you've probably figured out, this isn't just some pointless trivia question. How you view the future goes a long way in determining how you are able to deal with the present. And so this is a very important question. What, what should we picture when we per- picture our future? What would God want us to picture? Well, thankfully, these verses that are in front of us from Isaiah 52 this morning... Help us come to an answer. Isaiah was one of those Old Testament prophets that God used to help his people have a very clear picture of the future that was in front of them. And when you read through the first half of the book of Isaiah, 39 chapters, the picture that God paints of Israel's future is bleak, to say the least. Because of their constant rebellion and disobedience against God, God was going to send a big, powerful enemy from the east who was going to conquer them and carry them off into captivity. Kids. Campers. What was the name of the city that we learned about this week where God's people were taken away from their homes and taken into captivity too? Who remembers? Just shout it out. Babylon. Babylon. Very good. So Babylon was going to come from the east. They were going to invade God's nation of Israel, they were going to burn their cities to the ground. They were going to rip people away from their homes and from their families and they were going to take them to a strange and distant land hundreds and hundreds of miles away. Talk about a dystopian future. But that wasn't the entirety of the future that God wanted his people to picture. God also wanted his people to know the very same thing that we We taught our campers over and over again this week that our God is strong to save. So what do you think it looks like for a God who is strong to save when a people is hundreds of miles from their home in exile? Well, we might be tempted to think that it it looks sort of like a lot of the Bible stories that we talked about in camp this week. Kids, what was the name of the man who was taken from his home in Jerusalem to Babylon that we learned about this week? Daniel. Very good. Very good. So maybe we think about a God who is strong to save and we we think about what God did for Daniel when he was in exile in Babylon. That even though Daniel was hundreds of miles from home, God blessed him. God granted him health and success and prosperity. God protected Daniel when some of his enemies plotted to have him thrown into a lion's den. Maybe that's what it looks like for a God who is strong to save. or, Or maybe if God is really strong to save, then eventually he would take that Enemy from the east, Babylon, and, and bring it to its knees almost overnight and allow God's people to come back home to return from exile. And when you read the second half of the book of Isaiah, that is in fact part of the bright future that God wants his people to see. But what's vital for us to realize this morning is that it's just a part. Through the prophet Isaiah, God wanted his people to see a picture of the future that was so much bigger and so much better than even any of that. You look at these verses carefully and and you see this picture of people standing in Jerusalem, looking to the east, and and off in the distant horizon, they see these messengers coming from the east, coming from Babylon, and they are coming to announce that their God reigns. That he has, in fact, rescued Israel. His people, But if you look carefully, notice what those people standing in Jerusalem see. They see that right at the very head of this group of people coming back from Babylon is God himself, the Lord. Isaiah pictures that the Lord lays bare his holy arm. We would say the Lord rolls up his sleeves and he goes to work. He immerses himself right in the middle of the mess that his own people have made for themselves. He himself goes into exile to rescue his people and bring them back home. And when he does, notice that it's not just one group of people for one specific piece of land. No, it says that the Lord will lay bare his holy arm in the sight of all nations and that all the ends of the earth will see the salvation of our God. This is the picture of their future that God wanted his people to see. And believe it or not, this is the picture of your future that God wants you to see. Now we maybe hear about people who are, who are taken from their homes, who are ripped away from their families, who are deported hundreds of miles away to a strange and distant land. And we might think to ourselves, well, sure, that, that occupies a lot of the time on the news these days, but maybe it's a little bit tough for us to relate. Here's where perhaps Generation Z is going to end up doing us a little bit of a favor. You see, for a long, long time, we've convinced ourselves that that life on planet Earth will constantly be heading in this upward trajectory. That through our reason, through our will, through science and technology, life on Earth will always be getting better. That if we just put our heads together, we can end world hunger. We can achieve world peace. That life on earth will be constant progress. And if we've convinced ourselves of that idea, then maybe we've also convinced ourselves that this world can be for us something that it simply cannot be. Home. A permanent and perfect home. Here's where we maybe need Generation Z to do us a favor. That with all of their dystopian future books, and films, they will remind us that this earth cannot be home. That we too are in exile. That no matter, no matter how many treaties we sign, no matter how many alliances we form, we will never achieve world peace. That even though one study suggested that already right now the world produces enough food to feed 10 billion people, we will never end world hunger. That even though iPhones and social media connect us with our loved ones in ways that are almost unimaginable, eventually those loved ones will be taken from us in death. And that all the advances of science and medicine, for all the diseases that they cure and ways in which they make our lives comfortable, they will not be able to do anything to stop it. We are not home. We too are in exile in a strange and distant land. And so what does it look like for our God to be strong to save in a place like this, for people like us? Does it look like what it looked like for Daniel? That even while in exile, God blesses us with prosperity and health and success? That he protects us from those who would plot against us or who would wish us harm? That time and again, God proves that he can take the most powerful nations on earth and reduce them to their knees, reduce them to nothing overnight, Maybe. And I think you'd agree that, that way more often than we deserve, God blesses us abundantly, even, even as we are in exile. And yet when we think about our God being strong to save, God wants us to see a picture that is so much bigger and so much better than even any of that. He wants us to see the picture of God himself loving us enough that he, he laid bare his arms, he rolled up his sleeves, he immersed himself fully in our mess. God wants us to see the picture of Jesus leaving his home, leaving his family, coming to a strange and distant land to fight our enemies for us. He wants us to see a picture of Jesus not fighting our enemies by forcing them into submission or flexing his muscles, but but by defeating our enemies by surrendering to them, by willingly suffering and dying on a cross for us. God wants us to see that beautiful picture of Jesus going back home, returning to his family, returning to his home, prize in hand, reward with him, that reward being you. A countless band of people that spans centuries and continents, no matter who you are, no matter where you're from, no matter what language you speak, or what clothing you wear, no matter how smart and successful you may be, no matter your guilt, no matter your shame, no matter what you've done, God wants you to see you in Jesus' hand as His prize. That one day when you too leave exile and return home, Jesus will be there standing before the Father to say, "Look, Dad." Look, Dad, here's one more. This prize, this reward that I've won, look how beautiful she is. Look how splendid he looks. Talk about a picture of our future worth pondering. Oh, but what if I don't make the basketball team? And who's going to pay for the braces and the college and the weddings? Of course, issues like that are, deserve their attention. Certainly not wrong to think about things like that, but let's never forget, friends, where they fit in that overall picture of our future. Where they fit in that story that God has already told us. In fact, let's remember that every little bit of dystopia that we experience here on this earth not only does not ruin the picture, but it actually makes the picture even better. It will only make our homecoming even more sweet. See, it's so easy for us to think that, that from page one until the end, our story should be all sunshine and roses all the time. That hard work will always pay off. That honesty will always be rewarded. That the good guys will always win. And that even if a few bad things happen during the day, no matter what, come six o'clock, we're all gathered around the family table for a nice wholesome dinner. We might think that it would be great if life went like that all the time. But tell me this, if you find a book like that, you're not going to make it out of the first chapter. You write a book like that, you're not going to sell any copies. You make a movie like that and you'll probably walk out. No, we want good to triumph over evil, but only after it seems as though evil has the complete upper hand. We want everything to work out in the end, but only after It seems as though all hope has lost. And so all of those little bits of dystopia that we experience here on earth, not only does it not ruin the story, it actually makes the story better. Friends, that's a better story. And your God wants you to know that that's your story. Amen. Thank you for listening. For more information about Good News Lutheran Church, visit www.goodnewslc.org.